this promo quadruple entente hey i tried learning french for like two months all right i'm basically fluent don't make fun of me i'm not i'm just that's how i was speaking french (laughs) okay baguette Uh, coffee espresso is Gordon and this is Clint. How's it going Clint? It's going pretty good actually. It's been a really good week man. I feel like I don't know the last couple weeks have been kind of crazy so I think I told you but my car broke down right? That's right. So I had to get a new car and with everything going on I kind of fell behind in work a little bit because I was in Georgia before that and yeah so I was kind of just trying to get caught up on things and the last couple of days have just been really good getting caught up in everything and having a chance to just relax so nice solid stuff yeah plus we just came off the the uh, encounter conference too yeah so that was pretty solid which if you're a patron you now have access to uh some bonus content that we we put up on Patreon for you guys, some interviews and stuff Is like it that. Up? Yeah, it's up. Nice. So go check it out if you're a patron. If not, become a patron and you'll get cool bonus content like that. Yeah. So check it out. What about you? How are you doing? Good. Just like you, those last few weeks have been busy wrapping up kind of summer ministry and then preparations for encounter. And coming off that, I kind of had the last two days off. Um, nice. And having days off coming after being like really busy by the end of the the day, it kind of just feels like like, like a blur because I, I didn't do anything all day. Yeah. But it's been good. I've been I've been not trying not to do anything, and so it's cool. Do. Just change to relax and stuff. Yeah. As well as like figuring out what I need to get ready to start doing again going into this week and next week. Yeah, we're kind of like on delayed teachers' schedules at this point where we still operate within the school year, kind of, but we start a little bit later because we're doing stuff over the summer, too. But I'm super pumped that this Friday we're going to be playing D&D again. So I haven't gotten to play with you and, and your group since, I think, April, early May. Yeah. Somewhere around there. It's been a really long time. Yeah, I think it was May. Yeah. So, we're finally getting to play again this Friday. So, by the time this comes out, you guys will, well, you actually you'll have no idea. But we'll know how it went. Good stuff. So, what media are you taking in right now? Not a whole bunch. I have been watching Downton Abbey with Lizzie still. Mm-hmm. The movie comes out the end of next month. And we are trying to finish all of it so he can watch the movie is is downton abbey still putting out seasons no they had like a final season i don't know how long ago and then they decided i guess to do like a reunion type movie with the same cast with the same cast that okay i guess i think it would play off of where the last season ended so i don't know because hmm. we haven't watched the trailer nor finished the season We've decided we can't watch the trailer because we don't want to know who's in it or is not in it. If someone's not in it, that probably means they died. 
and um, we're still two seasons to the end, I think. Okay. So, yeah. So I've been doing that. I've been playing mostly in the past, well, over the weekend of Encounter, but also the past few days off, playing a lot of still Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. Okay. Beating the yeah. story. I saw you posted on uh, on our Twitter. Yep. You need some, some help there. Yep. I just need the trade so I can evolve my Pokemon because they don't have, like, global trading like they do in the others, like Sun and Moon, so I can't just, like, trade with random people. Oh. Like, you have to trade with friends. Okay. That makes sense, though, because it's also, like, it's easier to get stuff, I feel like. Well, I can do global trading. I just have to buy online for Switch. Oh, gotcha. And that's, like, a whole other thing. So I'm not trying to spend money. I'm just trying to evolve. I don't know if you saw, but today I posted, again on Twitter, that I, I needed three friends for the new quest line for Pokemon Go. <laughs> I already have that quest done. People nice. just started adding me like crazy. So thank you to all of you who added me. I appreciate it. I yeah. just got a free fee bass because of that. Wow. Yeah. That's what you get? Yeah. Cool. Now you know. Um, I feel like there was something else, but I don't know. Podcasts listening trying to catch up on podcasts because i've gotten behind same. with the crazy weeks but most of those podcasts are all the same yeah it's i think it's kind of a boring week for our media because it's basically the same for me too because with traveling well i guess i i listened to some stuff while we were traveling out to georgia the other week a lot of musicals and stuff like that just because the long soundtracks make it really easy for like a long car ride so let's do like a ton of hamilton hmm because the soundtrack is just ridiculously long. It does remind me, Lizzie and I were listening to, there's a new Bon Iver okay. album that just came out mm-hmm. like last week, and I've been listening to that, and that's been really good. What's it called? Lowercase i, comma, lowercase i. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's so weird. Okay. Uh, what else? Oh, so... I've still been playing a lot of Pokemon Go, just because I can do that basically anywhere. And then I've been reading the book Deadly Heat by Richard Castle. So if you've seen the TV show Castle, where they have like the writer that goes in and helps the New York Police Department do like the investigations. This is supposed to be like the book that was written by him about like his experiences. Oh, okay. So even though the real author obviously is someone else... It's written as if it were Castle. Right. So that's kind of cool. And then, I don't know, I've just been listening to a lot of random stuff, dude. Listen to, like, a lot of Disney, Ed Sheeran kick, stuff like that. I was listening to, like, uh, C-pop yesterday, like, Chinese pop. So that was a little bit of a throwback. I used to listen to that stuff in college and just kind of stopped. So I just remembered me and Lizzie also watched It. Like the original or? No, like the remake. Because they're about to come out with It Chapter 2 next in, week. Oh, next week already? I think. Oh, I or was... two weeks from now. It's early September. I'm way behind. And I never saw it. I've only heard good things about it. And so we watched it. And it's really, really good. Yeah, I was a big fan. I like, I like the originals a lot too. Mm-hmm. So, random hot take. Okay. Have you heard this whole thing with Spider-Man? Uh, no, Lizzie was trying to explain it on the way here, and we we never got into it. Okay, Something so about like Sony is getting him back. Yeah, so I'll I'll lay down what I think I know, and I could be completely wrong, so someone can correct me. But basically, how I understand it is, 
Sony owned Spider-Man this whole time, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's why they were holding off for so long uh, with the bringing him into the Marvel Universe because they didn't have the copyright to do it. They reached an agreement to bring him into essentially like a merger where Sony allowed Marvel to use the Spider-Man storyline. So now that they've already made, what, two Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland and then he was in a couple of the Avenger movies too. Three of them. He's in three of them? Yeah. Civil War and both the... Oh, in game. I thought you meant three Avengers movies. Okay. Well, sort of. That's kind of an Avengers movie. Okay. Anyways, so he he was in several movies, right? Now, Sony and Marvel failed to kind of renegotiate that agreement, and Sony just pulled out. And so Marvel essentially does not have access to that storyline anymore because Sony owns it. So basically... They just painted Spider-Man to be like the central figure for mm-hmm. phases, what, four through six probably. Yeah. And now Sony's cutting him out and people are furious. Yeah. So with very little information, what's your take? That's upsetting. I mean, I I really don't have like a take on it except for it'd be really interesting to see what happens from here. Honestly, this could destroy... The MCU. Yeah. Possibly. Unless they have really good writers. Yeah. Or a lot of money that they're willing to invest. I just know they've announced so many of the newest films coming up in Phase 4 with like Thor and all that. And I know they're probably not tied over, but just I'm sure some of the scripts and stuff they've started on has this central theme of what's happened in the Uh, past. Yeah. And I don't know if they can talk about the past. Like, I don't know how the licensing work. They can, like, even mention the word Spider-Man. Sure. At the very least, assuming maybe down the road they even figure something out where they do reach an agreement, at the very least it's going to delay things and postpone things. So They should just call him Night Monkey. Night Monkey? Just keep him in. Do it. Night Monkey. <laughs> just write a storyline <laughs> where that, that name took off. Yeah. Bigger than Spider-Man. Night Monkey. Yes. That would be... They could use the same actor. Same actor. I wonder if they could use the same storyline. How much does... No, copyright probably wouldn't allow that. You have to probably change a few things. It could be like Uncle Sven or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Something stupid. Oh, my gosh. But the next question is, does Sony try and rebuild uh, the Spider-Man saga again? Because they've tried multiple times to... Because they can't use the Spider-Man that MCU is using? I would just assume that Sony is going to use Tom Holland and keep going. Can they? I mean, they wouldn't be able to use the the content that's already been written. So it's probably copyrighted. No, they wouldn't be able to talk about the Avengers. Yeah. Well, unless they're referring to different Avengers. But... Interesting. I can't see why they couldn't use Tom Holland in the same in the, in the story that's already been built up. But here's here's the other thing. I don't know if you, you you're not really on social media, so you might not have seen this, but people are hating on Sony right now. Yeah, I even heard some of the Avengers are talking about it. Oh, for real? Yeah, I I wouldn't doubt it. That's what my phone. I, I'm not on social media, but Google likes to tell me things, mm-hmm. weird things that I don't know why I'm interested <laughs> in. Um. But apparently Hawkeye, act, that actor, like, reached out and was like, please give us our Spider-Man back. 
Clint Barton. Yeah. Well, it's still not the same. I don't know who the actor is. That's my name. <laughs> yeah. Very close. Anyways, I digress. All right. Well, I don't know. I think that's going to be... It's kind of just a mess. When I first saw it, I thought it was a joke. Like one of those just dumb rumor articles, you know? But seems legit. Which is going to put a... I feel like if Sony was smart, they would just renegotiate the contract. Yeah, for sure. And just ask... I don't know. They want more they'd, money. They'd make Marvel's more... Marvel's got the money. They'd make more doing that than trying to start their own thing with Spider-Man. For sure. Especially after they flopped twice. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens. I'm sure they'll negotiate something because, I mean, Marvel's, at this point, the most powerful... Like, I can't be mad about it, though, because I despise Disney and what they do, so... Stick it to the man, Sony. You hit her first. <laughs> Stick it to the man, Sony. Stick it to Disney. Yes. In any way possible. And with whatever you have. We are not trying to start a rebellion. Yeah. It's always. No weapons. <laughs> Anyways, moving on to the actual show. We are super weird today. This is great. So, this week, we are going to do... Kind of an older movie, not super old, but you said you watched this yesterday too? I watched it today. Today, okay. So we both, in addition to everything we just said, have also watched the movie Good Will Hunting. Mm -hmm. So this was requested by a good friend from Twitter, Bianca, who has uh, requested several things throughout, uh, throughout our almost two years on the show. So thank you, Bianca. Shout out to you. You're awesome. Hope you and your family are doing well. How did you first see goodwill hunting like what got you to watch said movie mm, i don't know the first time that i remember like watching and actually processing what was happening was actually i think in my psychology class hmm. in in high school so i think that was the first time i actually followed it yeah but then watching it earlier this week like all things that i take in now it I feel like I understand it a lot better now that I'm doing like the the TCIC thing every time that I like watch something or listen to something. And also, I mean, I'm older, so I guess I just understand more stuff. But yeah, I, I feel like this is the first time that I've, I feel like I caught everything yeah. that, that they talked about. So what had about a, you? I had a lit- literature class, I think it was. It was some kind of language arts class. And we had to do a project where we had to read biography of somebody and like write up the story and make some kind of presentation and i chose matt damon and i read the autobiography of matt damon and i remember making like you know those like poster things where you put the hinges where the elbow are and like you have it's a person it was like a thing just thing with a big head of matt damon um this was back before matt damon was like how old were you like a meme or anything um I was in... Please tell me college. No. <laughs> no. It was early... It was either early high school or like eighth grade or seventh grade, something like that. And it talked heavily about... It would refer to heavily Goodwill Hunting because that that's what like skyrocketed his career. Yeah. And at the time, I had no idea what that was. So a few years later, when Netflix became a thing, it was on Netflix and I watched it when I was in my phase of watching weird, good movies and... I fell in Which love with never it. really ended. No, it never ended. But right. uh, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. So I haven't really seen it since, though. So it was the first time I rewatched it since like high school. Really? Yeah. Holy cow. Okay. Yeah, I guess it had been a while since I since I had seen it too. But 
I think it's a pretty solid movie. It's great. So if you, if you haven't seen it, we'll kind of walk through some of it, but we're not going to really go through the entire plot. I think there's a few main points that we're going to hit and kind of just go from there. So we have essentially five main characters. We're going to only focus on a few of them. So we have Matt Damon, like you said, who plays the main character. His name is Will Hunting, which is part of where you get the title Good Will Hunting. Mm-hmm. We have... Robin Williams' character, who actually doesn't come in until later on in the movie, but he plays Sean McGuire, who's a psychologist. And we have Ben Affleck, who plays Will's best friend, Chucky. There's also a professor, and then we'll introduce another character later, but okay. we'll get there. So, essentially, it, it opens with a math professor at MIT who puts a really complex math problem on a chalkboard outside of his classroom. And he challenges the students to solve it by the end of the semester or end of the year or something like that. And he says, basically, very few people have ever actually done it correctly. And those who have are now really well-renowned people either at the college or somewhere else. Yeah, I think to give you like the idea of how hard it is, he offers like a scholarship to MIT for those that solve it. Yeah, like it, it was a big deal. And so later after that scene closes... Will, who we said is Matt Damon, he's the janitor at MIT, and he sees this problem while he's cleaning. He goes home, works it on a scrap piece of paper, goes in the next day and solves it. And so we have this janitor who solves it really quickly, and nobody has any idea who even did it because he's not even a student, so he's not there. And so everyone's freaking out and trying to figure out what's going on, and no one shows up in the class and like takes credit for it. So they're like, okay, well, who is it? Next thing we see, Will and his buddies are driving and they see some guys that are kind of like messing with this girl as she's walking down the street and they get out of the car and they just beat the heck out of him. Yeah. And then Will gets arrested. Flash forward again, we go back to the classroom right and they realize that the person who solved the problem wasn't actually in the classroom so he puts up an even more complicated problem and he says that it took himself and the other MIT math professors two years to prove this problem so essentially the smartest people at MIT two years when Will gets out of jail and goes back to work he gets caught by that teacher mid solving that problem and then runs away says some choice words in the process which later comes back to bite him a little bit but the professor sees that he was the one that figured it out Mm -hmm. because will in that process of however long he was sitting there cleaning the hallway solve that problem that took him two years to do right so at this point we have it established he's a he's a genius Mm -hmm. but at the same time he's getting in trouble he's getting arrested we see later on that he gets arrested like all the time and he's just not really applying himself in the way that people think that he he should be so he and his friend chucky go to a harvard bar and chucky tries to impress this girl by acting really smart but one of the harvard guys calls him out makes him look dumb and then will comes in and shows that the harvard guy isn't actually that smart. He's just like regurgitating information that he had read to make himself seem smart. 
And then like 45 minutes later, that girl comes up to Will, tells him he's an idiot for not coming up to her while he had the chance. Says her name is Skylar. Gives him her number. Smooth move, Will. Great right. job. And so now we have this relationship starting. The professor goes to the ground screw, figures out who Will is, because that's who he worked for. And he tracks Will to his court hearing for that fight that he got in, where he sees Will is actually defending himself, which we find out that he actually does on a regular basis. He doesn't ever get a lawyer. He just defends himself because he's a genius. And yeah, he's, he's usually, memorized. usually gets out of everything. Yeah, he memorizes like all these loopholes and really old trials and cases where they apply to whatever he's doing. And he just talks his way out of whatever punishment he gets. Yeah, which on top of everything, if you know law and law school, people that go into that stuff, it's years of schooling. Right. So once again, he's just really freaking smart. And stuff that he just has memorized because he's got like a photographic memory, essentially. And But this time, the judge looks at his rap sheet and says, you've messed up too many times to get out of this again. And he throws him in prison. But then the professor shows up. And he sits down with Will and he says that he has convinced the judge to let him out as long as Will meets these two conditions. And he says the first one is that he meets with the professor every week and they work on math together. The second one is that Will sees a therapist. Will just laughs and basically says, like, I'd rather stay in jail. Right. But eventually the professor talks him into it. And so Will starts seeing therapists. And this is where it gets kind of comical. How, how Will treats therapy is how I treat therapy. I hope not. No, it's true. Really? Yeah. I don't know how to address this. It's fine. <laughs> it's just true. Oh, that's, that's so unhelpful. <laughs> I know. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just thought that I thought that those scenes were also amusing because I was just like, I would be the exact same way. Yeah. That actually does not surprise me <laughs> at all. I feel like it's like a test for you. So essentially what he does is Will is messing with these therapists. He's just playing games with them. He like, one of them's a hypnotist and he pretends to be hypnotized and then just like goes all weird on him and stuff like that. And he basically just makes the therapist feel so uncomfortable that they don't want to work with him anymore. And so he goes through five different therapists and then... The professor says there's one more person he wants to try. And we cut over to Robin Williams' character, Sean McGuire. And he's actually teaching at a community college. And the opening line that we have for him is this. Trust is very important in a relationship. It's also very important in a clinical situation. Why is trust so important when working with a client? And he asks them and he gets some stupid answer from one of the kids. And then he goes on, if a client can't be open and honest with you, then there's really no point in them being in therapy. Now, this seems pretty obvious, but I was thinking about this kind of in regards to ministry and evangelization, and I was wondering what your thoughts are on that. Uh, I feel like my thoughts would be skipping ahead a whole bunch, but I mean, essentially, my my two big takeaways are here to I guess like fast forward a little bit he invites Robin Williams character to try to be the shrink for Will yeah and I think the 
the rest of the movie is basically Will and Robin Williams' character, Will and Sean, and mm-hmm. then Will and Skyler. And yep. we just see these two relationships throughout the rest of the movie. And what I saw was that we are Will and Skyler and Sean are different versions of God to us. Mm-hmm. And we have this relational, loving God through Skyler. And then we have the, what are they, what are they called? The great physician, you know, the healer. Yeah. Of, the of divine God. physician. Yeah. The divine physician, that type of relationship with Sean, as well as this relational, because Sean treats that kind of ministry as like not like I, not like the other. The first, I compare him to the very first shrink he saw, who was this old man who like Will gave an answer, and he was like, "Come on, Will, give me more than that. Like that, that's not an answer." Whereas when they first meet, Will gave an answer, even though it was like crap. Yeah, and. Sean would like entertain that conversation and be like, okay, yeah, I've dealt with that too. You just mentioned this movie. That, does that mean you like movies? And I've just noticed in what, you know, in ministry, when it comes to kids, you see the one kid who's alone or the, or, or if you're brand new and you see all these kids playing together, you go sit down and you say something and they look at you really weird. Like, who are you and why are you talking to me? <laughs> but when you come back next week, and you mention their name and what they talked to you, what you, you talked about last week, then they're like, okay, who's this person who remembers who I am yeah. and was paying attention to me? And the more and more you do that, the more and more they're like, like you'll, you'll walk in and they'll notice you and they'll like wave at you. Mm-hmm. And it's just, that's, I think that's what he's trying to say in that sentence of like, it's not doing the thing, but it's starting with building this relationship so that they can trust, which I think I just skipped the, I just realized what your actual question was, but yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's totally fine because I, I think you're still getting at the point. At least what I was thinking of here is in, in a very basic sense in ministry, my job is not necessarily to teach all these uh, theoretical answers or, or whatever. I don't know. It, I feel like we complicate ministry a lot. Actually, I think this is one thing that Adore does really well. Like your guys' focus is like just focusing on the person right, and building the relationship. And that's ultimately what ministry comes down to because from there, it leads into so much more. And I mean, that's one of the things we talk about all the time on here is like those transcendentals, right? Good, true, and beautiful. You lead with what is what is beautiful, which is this relationship, which is this this love, right? And then you go into what is good and what mm-hmm. is what is true after that. But it all has to start with that relationship. Just like everything within our faith journey needs to start with a relationship because we can, we can teach these teens. I don't know the Thomas Aquinas is five ways, five proofs, but if they don't know Jesus, it it doesn't matter. Right. So it it all starts with that relationship. And I think that's a a big root to what we talked about here. So, so like you said, Will meets with Sean and he tries to do the exact same thing. Like you're saying, he's using all of these like, tricks and jokes and stuff like that to try and mess with him and he just goes along with it sean does and he he just rolls with the punches and we can see right away that will is just he's trying to test sean and figure out where his weakness is where the, the that weak point but at the same time sean is trying to understand will and like really understand the way that he thinks and gain his trust in in those really small ways and this is where it gets a little fun so there's a lot of swearing in here, and I don't swear, and this is a 
non-swearing podcast, so you guys are gonna have to just roll with me. So Will notices a piece of art right. that Sean had drawn or painted. Mm-hmm. He starts asking him about it a little bit, and he says, "Have you ever heard the saying, any port in a storm? Maybe that means you. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm, a big <laughs> storm." The sky is falling on your head and the waves are crashing over your little boat. The oars are about to snap. You're just pissing your pants. You're crying for the harbor. You just do what you need to do to get out. You know, maybe you became a psychologist. And Sean's like, yeah, you're right. And then Will says that maybe Sean married the wrong woman and then he notices that that's a sensitive subject for Sean because he, he gets really frustrating right away, really frustrated right away. And Sean pushes him up against a wall. Yeah, he's choking him. Yeah, and he, he threatens him uh, if he ever like disrespects his wife again. And so now Will knows this is something that he can work with as far as trying to mess with, with Sean. So we have that relationship. We, we see a few other scenes happening. I'm going to kind of skip over that. It's, it's really just kind of developing the relationship with him and, and Skylar at this point. And then we get into what I think is probably the most important part of the whole movie. So this is what we're, we're really going to focus on here. In their next session, Sean takes Will out of the kind of like small office area and out to a park. They sit down at a bench and then Will starts kind of just going off using what he had learned about Sean's wife and stuff like that to try and just really get under his skin. And then Sean says this, and it's kind of long. So if you want to stop me at some point and break it down, we can do that. He says, I was thinking about what you said the other day about my painting. I stayed up half the night thinking about it and something occurred to me and I fell into a deep, peaceful sleep and I haven't thought about you since. You know what occurred to me? You're just a kid. You don't have the faintest idea what you're talking about. You've never been out of Boston. So if I asked you about art, you would probably give me the skinny on every art book ever written. Michelangelo. You know a lot about him. Life's work, political aspiration, him and the Pope, his sexual orientation, the whole works, right? But I bet you can't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. You've never actually stood there and looked at that beautiful ceiling. If I asked you about women, you would probably give me a whole list of your personal favorites. You may have even been late a few times, but you can't tell me what it feels like to wake up next to a woman and feel truly happy. You're a tough kid. I ask you about war, you would probably throw Shakespeare at me, right? Once more into the breach, dear friends. But you've never been near one. You've never held your best friend's head in your lap and watched him gasp his last breath looking to you for help. If I ask you about love, you'd probably quote me a sonnet. But you've never looked at a woman and been totally vulnerable. Known someone who could level you with her eyes. Feeling like God put an angel on earth just for you. Like she could rescue you from the depths of hell And you wouldn't know what it was like to be her angel. To have that love for her and to be there for her forever. Through anything. Through cancer. 
and you wouldn't know about sleeping up in a hospital room for two months holding her hand because the doctor could see in your eyes that the terms visiting hours don't apply to you. You don't know about real loss because that only occurs when you love something more than you love yourself. And I doubt you've ever dared to love anybody that much. I look at you, and I don't see an intelligent, confident man. I see a cocky, scared kid, but you're a genius, Will. Nobody denies that. Nobody could possibly understand the depths of you. But you presume to know everything about me, because you saw a painting of mine, and you ripped my life apart. You're an orphan, right? Do you think I know the first thing about your life, how you feel, who you are because I read Oliver Twist? Does that encapsulate you? Personally, I don't give a about any of that because I can't learn anything from you that I can't read in some book unless you want to talk about you, who you are. And I'm fascinated. I'm in. But you don't want to do that, do you? You're terrified of what you might say. It's your move, chief. So that was super long and uh, stumbled over my words a little bit, but that's it. I think that is the turning point in this movie, and I think that's the, the main kind of focus for us here. So what are your thoughts? Well, I think there's three parts to this. I think... I had three parts, too. Perfect. I think there's the first part where he's talking about how he's calling him out on like how if I asked you about this or that, it's the same scene from the bar earlier where he called the Harvard student out for regurgitating information to look smart. Mm -hmm. And we realize in this moment, Will can do the same thing about any subject because he knows a lot. Yeah. And he's saying, but you don't know truly. Mm -hmm. And there's, it was kind of said over, over the weekend of encounter. There's like the same idea. We can know a lot about scripture. We can know a lot about God. We can, Recruitate all all these Bible passages, and we can talk about these scripture together. But there's a difference in like knowing that and, and talking about it than living it. Yeah, there's and, and there's a difference in knowing who Christ is and then experiencing Christ. Yeah, I, I use the line all the time. I think I stole it from someone, but I can tell you who. There's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus, and I think that's kind of like what you're getting at there too. Right. So I think that's the first part. So before we switch yeah. to the second one, so I think the main focus, like he's going through all these different things. He's talking about, he's talking about art. He's talking about love. He's talking about war and like all these different things. I think this goes back to the transcendentals again. So truth, beauty, goodness. And he's saying, yeah, you, you know about these things, but you've never really experienced truth. You've never really experienced beauty. You've never really experienced like authentic goodness and love. And then we see as this conversation goes on, Will's not really saying anything this whole time. He's nodding his head and you can kind of see in his eyes, like he's acknowledging and understanding. There's some, some kind of realization in here, like, Oh crap, Sean's right kind of thing, but he's not going to vocalize it. And what I noticed as I was watching this is as Sean revealed to Will what he experienced, because everything that he's talking about here is something that, that Sean actually experienced. Right. He's, talk, oh. he's talking about his own life. That was the second part. Oh, sorry. But no, no, go ahead. So he's talking about his own life. And as he does that, Will's captivated. For the first time, he's tasting 
that, that beauty. He's tasting that truth and he's tasting that goodness, not himself necessarily, but in a way that's more real than reading about it in a book. He's experiencing it through his friend, through that story that we talk about on, on here all the time. And so he's, it's almost like he has a taste of what those things are. And now you can see in, in his face, he desires that, even though he won't admit it. So hopefully that kind of leads into your second point. Yeah, I mean, the second point is, yes, even in the war part, but also it, it gets thickest when he talks about his wife. And then you, And if you hadn't realized before, you start to realize, okay, Sean's talking about his own life and revealing things to him. And this is where I'm talking about how Sean is kind of like the God figurehead in the movie. For sure. And Will is like us. And it begins with, you know, this is a conversation where Will's actually hearing God probably for the first time, as as it kind of seems. And And God's saying, look, words are powerful and you're using my words and you're using words about me, but you don't know what you're saying. And then, like you said, and then experiencing what those words truly mean and, and you doing that through explaining who he is. And when, when we experience God, we become captivated. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that's happening. And then he ends in this. Well, do you have more for that second part? Not necessarily. Go ahead and go into your third part and I'll see where my stuff fits in. The third part is at the very end. And this is kind of the end conversation with him and God of like, you think I know the first thing about how hard your life has been, how you feel because he calls him an orphan. And he's like, but I don't know who you are because I read Oliver Twist, who was also an orphan. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Will's been going in, finding something in this, uh, in any kind of psych office or even like seeing a guy goes to Harvard and what class he's in. And he can tell him a million things about that person because he sees something. And it's like, I know you. And God's like, you think that I know you because I know this other orphan. It's like Sherlock Holmes. Right. But I don't. Because I know you're more than that, mm-hmm. and your story is different and individual and unique and beautiful, but I can't get to know you unless you choose to talk to me. Right. Yeah. And I want you to. He says, when you do, I'm in. I am fascinated, and I want to hear that story. But until, you, but you don't want to do that because you're too scared of what you might say, and that I'm going to run away and not want to hear it, and that's fine. But now you know, like I want to hear that. I'm here for you. Like I'm ready. I'm in. But it's your move. Yeah. And he kind of puts it in his court. I I think that's really, really good kind of like breakdown of that. The only couple things that I want to add to it is there's the part about vulnerability in here. And so it's the part where, where Sean says, you don't know real loss because that only occurs when you love something more than you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And we see in here that he's never really opened up to anyone and, and, Throughout the rest of the movie, this is a major theme that we see. But he never opens up to people because he he was hurt when he was younger. And because of that, he just doesn't trust anyone. And so he doesn't want anyone to get close to him. The closest friends he has is is Chucky. And and that's it. So like the relationship with Skylar, we see later on, it gets really good. And they fall in love. And but, that scares him. And that scares him. And so yeah. he pushes her away. And he sees what's happening with Sean and he sees that it's good and they start opening up later on and and they're telling jokes and they're getting to know each other and they're being vulnerable and he sees that and he pushes away. And so we we see that how important this vulnerability is to this whole thing. But we also see, like you said, Will is us. 
and we see the way that we act when, when we're being vulnerable. Sometimes we'll give a little bit and we'll be a little bit vulnerable, but we'll never give everything because we're scared, right? We have that, that shame on us. What I think is really important about the closing part of this mm-hmm. is there will come times in our faith journey where God goes on a big thing with us. And he's like, look, this, you think this, and that's not true because it's really this. And until you're ready to come talk to me about that or until you're ready to like live this, it's your move. Mm-hmm. And we see in this movie, that's the only time Sean says that to Will. Mm. And that's the thing. Sometimes we're like, okay, I hear you, but I'm scared, God. And God, and like we're waiting for God to say something else or to come in and radically push us. And he's like, nope, I told you what needs to change or I told you what we need to talk about. It's, I told you it was your move. And we see later that there's a scene where Sean's like, get out. Like, time's up. And he's like, I don't want to go. Like, time's not up. He's like, no, get out. And they come and sit back down for the next session a week later. And they sit for an hour in silence. Mm-hmm. And Will tells the doc, the professor, who's like, why'd you do that? And he's like, he needs to speak first. If I speak first, I lose. Yeah, and, and, and not in like a competition way, but in a way that will needs to speak right he needs to make that move yeah and so i I think the same thing would happen to us where god says it's your move and then we go into prayer and it's just like silent yeah until we choose to finally enter in and become vulnerable to this challenge to this change that god has presented to us yeah it's the idea that he's god's always reaching out to us he's always offering that hand but we have that free will will (laughs) uh oh wow Wow, crazy. (laughs) Free will hunting. Yeah, free will hunting. Oh my gosh, there's our podcast title. Anyways, so we have that free will to actually choose whether or not we want to reach out and grab his hand and let him pull us up. It's like Peter walking on water, he falls down, right? And he Jesus reached out and and offers his hand, but if Peter doesn't grab it, he drowns. Well, even the falling part, like he was walking, he noticed this was good, this was great, and then it got scary. Yeah. And so we kind of retreated and in that moment began to sink. Exactly. But then... Yeah. So the only other thing, and this is kind of a small point, but at the very beginning, Sean says, you're just a kid. You don't have the faintest idea of what you're talking about. You've never been out of Boston. He goes, That's when he starts going through all these different things. And this kind of actually made me think of First Corinthians where it says, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I had to put away the childish things. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love, abide in these three, but the greatest of these is love. I was just kind of thinking about that. And to be honest, when I thought of this connection, I was really just thinking of the first verse, which is that when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. But then I had to put away those things. Right. And we see, and this kind of goes back to when when we were talking about split, where the thing that happened to him as a child is still kind of like forcing him to not move past his childhood mistrust. And so we're seeing kind of a, a similar thing happen here where he just doesn't want to grow up. He doesn't want to experience the world. He doesn't want to leave Boston. He wants to stay in 
that small little community. He doesn't even want to go see the rest of Boston. He just wants to stay in his right. neighborhood. Yeah, well, this goes even into any of the three or five or all the podcasts we talk about our story. Like mm. two podcasts ago, we talked about Pokemon. And the start of Pokemon, you have to leave your home. Right. Um, only to see your mom after you get eight gym badges. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or when she calls you in the second generation. Yeah. But this is saying... You got to stop speaking like a child. You got to stop thinking like a child. You got to stop reasoning like a child. And you need to grow up. You need to have these relationships. You need to start thinking like an adult. And part of thinking like an adult is realizing that there's more to the world than what's immediately in front of you. There's, there's more to experience. And you can't shut out the rest of the stuff just because you don't want it to be there. At the same time, there is a scene where the professor who's wanting this, wanting Sean to kind of fix and heal Will in order for Will to be able to like be this math genius and change the world. Yep. They're talking and he's like, have you talked about Will's future yet? And Sean says, no, we're still talking about the past. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, maybe in order to put away those childish things, you have to address them and like, look at it and like you know give that to god it's not a matter of like putting it in your top sock drawer closing it and walking just, away yeah, right and then looking yeah. at the future like because will uh sean knew like no we can't talk about the future yet until will addresses addresses past. this past fully right and so it's not that it's not that simple too for sure yeah and thank you because i i think i oversimplified it there because we also i mean we have scripture where it says we should be childlike Right. Right. So we don't want to completely disregard like our childhood or being a child because there's a lot of good things in that. But notice Jesus says, be childlike, not be childish. And right. I think, I think there's a, a, a difference there. And so being childlike in, in the way that we, the way that we trust, the way that we love, stuff like that. But what it's saying here is like the way that you speak, the way that you think, the way that you reason, you need to start actually thinking through these things. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think that's kind of where it's going there. And then it goes on to talk about seeing right now you only know part. Right now you only see in a dim mirror, but soon you will see face to face. You will know fully. And so it's talking about when you address these things, when you when you move forward as as you are called to do, right? If you reach out and grab that hand, then you will see. You'll see fully. And that goes into a little bit of the beatific vision too, where when we're in heaven, we'll, we will know fully. Yeah. So I, I think that kind of just ties into. Yeah. Totally. Especially because Sean's give, trying to show Will he doesn't fully see what he thinks he sees. Right. So we've, we've kind of already talked about sporadically throughout the rest of, of the movie here. Can I talk about something? Yeah, please do. There's the only other scene... I've kind of like brought in a few of the scenes with Will and Sean, but it's with Will and Skylar, and it's like the last major scene of theirs, and it's basically when he ultimately pushes her away. Yeah. And so, like I said, there was like Will and Sean, the divine physician and friend, mm-hmm. and then Skylar and Will, you have us and like the love of God, you know, God the Father and this relational type, and she wants she wants him to go to California. She mm-hmm. wants him to leave Boston to come because I love you, you love me, 
and I want to risk take that risk. And right. that scares him because he's one doesn't want to leave, two just doesn't know if it's going to work out and what if it doesn't and like just like everything else in his life she like leaves him all this stuff and so they're fighting and he reveals his past that he's been lying about forever but in like a negative way making her making her ashamed to like you didn't know this you don't want to know this and she keeps saying she does like i do want to know this because i love you and then she says one final thing where she says just tell me that you don't love me and I won't call you and I won't reach out to you anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said, she's the God figure here where God's like, just if you don't want me in your life, tell me and you won't realize that I am. I don't think he ever says I'll fully pull away, but he says like, you won't be aware of my presence. Yeah. And we have that choice. We have this choice where we can say, God, I love you and I need you in my life. And he's like, great, here I am. And a choice where he's like, if you don't want me present, tell me that you don't, and I will let you live. I will let you be you if that's really what you want. Right. And he says, I don't love you, and walks away, and she leaves him alone. Yeah. And the the two lines before that, too, I think are really good, because she says that Will's afraid, and Will says, I'm afraid. What the f- am I afraid of? And she says, you're afraid of me, that I won't love you back. Well, you know what? I'm afraid too, but I want to give it a shot, but at least I'm being honest with you. Right. And so, again, it comes back to this, this vulnerability, right? It comes back to this trust that we've been talking about. And I mean, as, as cheesy as it sounds, like the whole fear thing, do not be afraid, 365 times in scripture, you know, all that stuff. He's talking about, this goes back again to being childlike, right? One of the things that I love to kind of like meditate on when I think about being childlike is the fact that children love with abandon. They will love strangers. That's why we as kids have to be told, no, 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 no. Like that's a stranger. Like be careful, stuff like that. Because you see, I'm I'm thinking of like, you know, the videos where there's like the little kid in mass and they have like their high, their hand up at, at mass as they're going down the communion line and like giving them high fives or hugs. I actually saw someone do that at Encounter, a little kid, and I was like, this is so stinking adorable, right? Because kids just want to love. Right. And that's what we're being called to. But instead, we're afraid. We, we hold ourselves back because we don't want to be vulnerable. Because if we're vulnerable, we can get rejected. It, it all comes down to the fact that we, we just don't trust God. Right. Because he's saying, I know you. And I'm not going to reject you. I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I want you. I want you as you are. You don't need to be afraid. But we don't trust that. And so we're afraid. And so we're not vulnerable. We say we don't love him. And we walk out. And that's what we call sin. (laughs) Uh, So I think there's probably only one or two... Uh, yeah, I think there's two more conversations I want to break down here. So one is... It's with Chucky. Three, that one too. So we'll go through really quick. So one is Sean and Will, and they're kind of talking about Sean's marriage. Okay. So Sean says... Okay, she, yeah. She's been dead two years, mm-hmm. and that's the shit I remember. The little stuff, you know? 
the things I miss the most. The little idiot, oh, idiosyncrasies. That's so hard to say. That only I knew about. That's what made her my wife. And she had the goods on me too. She knew all my little peccadillos. I had to look up that word. That's weird. People call these things imperfections. But they're not. That's the good stuff. And then we get to choose who we let into our weird little worlds. You're not perfect, sport. And let me save you this suspense. This girl that you met, she isn't perfect either. But the question is whether or not you're perfect for each other. That's the whole deal. That's what intimacy is about. You can know everything in the world, but the only way you're finding out that one is by giving it a shot. You certainly won't learn it from an old a**er like me. Even if I did know, I wouldn't tell a pissant like you. And so we see kind of his, his advice on love. And this is actually happening right before the scene that we just talked about. And we see that even with this advice, he doesn't take it later right. on. But even still, I think the two work perfectly hand in hand. Cause I, yeah. This could be true to relationships. This would be true, like, friendships to... Actually, if you go back and listen to the last episode, Hot and Heavy, like, romantic relationships, if you're trying to pursue that, to also just our relationship with Christ. And so we can, we can view their argument with Christ being like, what are you... Like, I, you're afraid of me, and you're afraid, like, maybe I'm not real, and I won't love you back. Mm-hmm. Well... God's not actually afraid, but you know, God's also taking a risk that you're going to walk away and sin again. But then He's constantly still loving you and giving His mercy. And in this situation, He's telling you, like, look, you're not perfect, and I know that. And then if you're trying to make relationships with other people in this world, they're not perfect either. But the only way you're going to find out, like, if relationships are worth like building on, is to actually do it. Yeah. Not to wait for this perfect moment like Mm -hmm. lizzie talked about that last week with like the one like the (laughs) prince charming that comes and sleeps off of your feet right like it's not gonna happen because prince charming's gonna have dirty fingernails oh man i know it's gross i know or never mind (laughs) (laughs) i said so Uh, many things oh yeah we'll Uh, we'll stop there (laughs) but yeah so that's what i got yeah no i think that's exactly where i was gonna go with it too so and it all comes down to, I mean, we're just using these catchphrases, but vulnerability. I mean, that's literally, that's... Faith. Hope. Love. Love. Cherish. Virtue. Will. Sin. Wilson? Wilson. Wilson! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next part that we were going to talk about is where Will and Chucky are just hanging out at the, the construction site. They're working together. And they were kind of having, like, lunch. And Will tells Chucky that he wants to stay in that area forever for the rest of his life, keep things exactly the way they are, live next to each other, and just kind of be best friends and just be the two of them forever. And Chucky tells him that if he's still there in 20 years, he's going to kill him himself. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like, everyone here at this construction site would give anything to have the brain that you have and to have... The, yeah. the skill that you have, and you're just throwing it away. If you waste that, I, I would be, like, offended. Yeah, they said if you stay here, that would be an insult to us. Yeah. Because we're going to be here in 10 years, but you could do anything. And he, one of my favorite, favorite line is, he's like, you know what makes me the most, you know my favorite part of the day? 
Yeah. It's like I come and pick you up and we go out to the bar afterwards and I just for the 10 seconds when I knock on your door, I'm just hoping you're not going to answer. Mm-hmm. That there was no goodbye, nothing. You've just left Boston. Yeah. And I think that's huge because we see that this goes back to our gifts and talents. Mm. We see and and that like our lives aren't our own that we affect everyone around us. Yeah. And so for people sure. get to see our gifts and talents and all these things to where like if if we're squandering them, that's not only like just sad for God to see, mm-hmm. but it can also like be insulting and or upsetting for everyone else. Like like I said, just our lives on our own and these gifts aren't just for us, but it's to be shared because then God becomes more real through us. Yeah. And other people can become joyful. Spoiler alert, in the end he goes and knocks on the door and he doesn't answer. And it's this hard moment as a viewer because you want to like cry when he's like looking through the window. Yeah. But he just he smiles. smiles. Yeah. And then he tells Gosh, his I'm friends. Right and now, then the man. guy gets out joyful and jumps into the passenger seat like, let's right. go. And they're just so happy. Yeah. And they're joyful. Yeah. And I, I think that's part of what it means to like truly love is to rejoice in those moments where good things like that do happen. Yeah. And obviously that can be really hard too, because I mean, in that moment, like they've been best friends their whole life, you know? And they were just talking about like, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. We're going to do everything together. It's going to be great. And he had to let him go because that's, that's where he was being called. Right. So I think, I think there's a lot of difficulty there, but that's, that's really good. The last thing that I want to kind of talk about, and if there's anything else you want to add in, we are going a little long. So this is the final session with Will and Sean. So Will walks in to Sean's office and he sees Sean arguing with the professor about what to do with Will. You kind of mentioned this a little bit before. Will sees that Sean is holding Will's file and they talk about how each of them were actually abused. And Will predicts what Sean reported about him. Abandonment issues, inability to trust, stuff like that. And then Sean says, you see this? All this It's not your fault. I lost it. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And then Will says, I know. No. No, you don't. It's not your fault. I know it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And then Will says, don't with me. And he starts to cry. And Sean, Sean just keeps saying, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And he hugs him. And then Will says, I'm so sorry. And he breaks down and they just sit there and embrace each other. And I love that you made this comparison of Sean being the, the father and the divine physician, the, the healer, the loving dad. Because in this moment, we see that coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And he just keeps saying that. And this is, this is what God's saying to us. Like, it's okay. Like, come to me. Come to me. And he reaches out and embraces us. And I, I just think that's a pretty awesome way to wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, in the end, this movie, everyone in Will's life maybe except for the mathematician, but kind of in a small way, but maybe except for him. Everyone in Will's life was ultimately like a true form of God to him. 
in some way in yeah. some way and like we ironically found out like we'll have the free will to embrace that or push against it and he kept pushing against it because he identified with his past and it wasn't until he realized like what had happened to him wasn't his fault or who he was ultimately yeah and he had this choice you know maybe he didn't even realize he had free will he had this choice to choose other to embrace this gift and to become this whole new person but yeah just that's every time i was watching i was like yep that's god that's god that's god and that's us (laughs) no i I think that's exactly it and since we're going over let's go ahead and talk about this because i think it ties in the meaning of the title right so we have his name is will hunting so we already have kind of like that but the way that it's phrased is goodwill hunting it can mean a lot of different things so i kind of wrote down a couple how i thought it could play out so will hunting as in the person is good right so it's saying like he he is ultimately good even despite all of his failures he's good so that's the first one the second one that someone in this case will is hunting for goodwill right and so if we think about what is goodwill it's it's friendship it's this this cooperative uh, relationship this helpfulness right so will is hunting for this relationship this will and the next one is that someone again will is doing a good job of hunting for the will to continue or the will to or just hunting for the will like what is it what does it mean to will something you know because we literally see that throughout this whole thing he's hunting he's seeking he's longing it's the whole like knock and the door will be opened right and he so, opens every door he just doesn't walk through any of them yeah exactly yeah he knows where to knock he just doesn't want to take the risk right and so we have kind of this like quadruple entente quadruple entente hey i tried learning french for like two months all right i'm basically fluent don't make fun of me i'm not i'm just that's i was speaking french <laughs> okay baguette uh, coffee espresso uh, Okay, yeah, so... French so fries. Do you have anything else to add to that? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. I looked up the, the, the meaning of like the meaning of the name Will, only to find that it means will. Oh, wow. And determination. Oh, that makes sense. Which is like the same thing. Yeah. But I was like, oh, yeah, will is a word. And then you started saying it. And I was like, yeah, he said it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Nope, that's it. Okay, cool. So let's go ahead and dive into some challenges then. I think a good place to start would be the three ways that you broke up that that big challenge. Do you want to lay those out for us again? Do you remember? Yeah, that, you know, I guess taking these three parts into prayer. So going to prayer with, I guess, your state of life or just going to prayer or whatever. And you can say, God, what is it that I know that I actually don't know? Because in the first part, it's God telling us, this is what you think you know, but really, this is the truth to what you're not experiencing. Specifically, like, about God or just in... Just in general. Okay. So, like... So, what do I think I know? It could be, like, God's like, you think this is what love is. This is what really what love is. So, okay. if you if you already know what you might think you know, I think we wouldn't know what that is. 
just going in and be like, God, what is it that I know that I, that I don't really know? And, and then, and then allowing God to share himself with you to express more of what that truly is. That's that middle part where he's like talking about himself and, or you're experiencing him so that you can realize, oh, that's what that is. And that, you know, that's with when he's talking about his wife in the hospital or what real vulnerability is and, and what loss actually is. And that, that could be reading scripture, you know, Lectio, doing stuff like that, or just sitting in, in the front of the Blessed Sacrament and just like being poured into. And then closing with realizing that God sees you more than what you think he sees you as. And Lizzie kind of had that challenge last week. Okay. Yeah, and so I think this can be just one continuous challenge, essentially. Yeah, I, I think in that second one, just not only letting God like reveal himself to you, but reveal yourself to God too. like pour out the weird things that are going on in your life, pour out the struggles, pour out the hurts and like, just be super honest and super vulnerable with him. Uh, and then, like you said, at the end, allow him to, to wash over you. Do you have any shout outs? I have, a, I mean, I, any, uh, encounter shout outs? Not really. I just have a few from honestly, I had no I no idea how last week's episode would go. Mm-hmm. And listeners we've shouted out before, I just got a lot of feedback on that episode. Yeah. Uh, just ran a ton of feedback. Ethan, who has gone back home to Ohio, sadly, not only listens to our podcast a lot and like loves it, but he, he liked that episode, said it challenged him a lot. Davis, Danny, Nick, uh, they all said they liked it. Uh, Ryan Lambert who were, I feel like our episodes are just hit or miss for him and he either like wants to rag on it or love it. Hey, uh, but we appreciate the feedback either way. He loved it and he wanted to use it for his like Kinsei class. Oh, no uh, way. I don't think he would because they're leaving out, but he's like, I'm just going to use this like, Oh, that's direction. so funny. He was just texting me about, hey, can you send me resources for, for the Kinsei class? And uh, um, So yeah, he, oh, he really cool. loved that. So there's like everyone, there was more people too, but yeah. Just everyone that listened to the, that pod and liked it, like, makes me feel good. Makes me really want to start mine, Lizzie's actual hot and heavy podcast. Yeah, I don't know. What about you? <laughs> uh, I just want to give a couple of shout outs to some some friends that I talked to at uh, at Encounter Texas, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, so there's a lot of people that I got to talk to, so I'm not going to give shout outs to everyone, but just a couple. So Krista, you got to hang out with her. She's a friend from the Pines, uh, Juanita. And then my friends, Phil and Nia Husk. So they're pretty cool. We, I knew them from Galveston. And then Taylor Schroll, who yes. we actually got to do some stuff with for some bonus content. And then hopefully we'll have him on the show sometime in the future. Taylor's an awesome guy. If you guys don't know his podcast, uh, you should check it out. It's called Forte Catholic. It's a lot of good stuff. And then my good friend, Eric, who is actually going to be helping us do some advertising up in the dfw area nice so yeah a lot of good stuff there so that's what i got cool with that guys you can find us on the twitterverse at on the adventure 2 you can find us on facebook at the christian culture at our website which is the com, and you can find us if you love what we do and want to support us at patreon you can give us a couple dollars a month and in return we'll give you bonus content like those special interviews and other content like that we have this hangout session this weekend where if you were a patron, you can hang out with us, talk to us, ask questions, and just, yeah, talk about 
what it means to be on this journey together. So check that out. You can find it at patreon.com backslash the Christ and culture. And if you want to just shoot us a message or give us some feedback, we'd appreciate that too. And if you haven't yet and you enjoy this show, please leave a review on whatever platform you, mm-hmm. you listen to us. It seems really simple and kind of dumb, but your one review helps us to reach a lot more people and it's much appreciated. So please do so if you love what we do. And if you don't, because give us a negative review, just do it. Okay, yeah, sure. Be honest. With that, guys, thanks for joining us on the adventure, and we'll see you next week.